Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined by the regular crew on Jobs Friday. This is uh, Friday, October 7th. Uh, the employment report for the month of September just came out uh, not too long ago. And we've got uh, uh, the regulars, uh, Chris Dorides. Chris is the Deputy Chief Economist, and Ryan Sweet, the Director of Real-Time Economics, and Dante. Dante, good to have you aboard. I was just asking Dante, how should I identify you? And he says, you never identify me. So we should just do that again. But Dante is a wonderful labor market, well, economist period, but uh, focuses on the labor market. And just to remind uh, folks, um, came to us via the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So he's got an inside view on all, all this data. Hey, guys, how's it going? How's everyone feeling today? I'm feeling yeah, great. The, the feeling bigger question is, how are you doing? I'm where good. are you? Well, I am in Singapore. Uh, I just rolled in. Um, it's now 10 p.m. Is it 10 p.m.? No, 10.30 p.m. Uh, Sing- Singaporean time. So, um, you know, it was 12 a- hours difference. Yeah, it's, it's 12 hours on the nose. Yeah. Which makes it easy. I was just in Dubai before that. And that's eight hours. And I was in London before that. And that's five hours. That's more complicated. I always get confused with the uh, with the time zones. But uh but uh, we'll talk about my travels. You know, I was in London that, uh, the last week when it was just complete chaos. And then um, uh, uh, this this week, I've been in the Middle East where uh, very different kind of vibe. You know, uh, they're doing pretty well. In fact, probably that's the strongest part of the global economy right now because of the higher oil prices. But of course, when I was there yesterday, or the day before OPEC announced its production cuts, so we can talk about that. But now Ryan, do you sense a pattern here? Yeah, I'm yeah, sensing some right. causation here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really going to problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Everywhere I go, we'll uh, see how it goes here in Singapore. And then my last stop is in Tokyo. That should be interesting. Uh, headed toward Tokyo, and then I'll be home. Can't wait. Can't wait to get back to the United States of America. But, well, a lot to talk about today. Uh, but first up is the jobs numbers. And Dante, would you mind? Can I uh, ask you to kind of run through the numbers and give give us a sense of uh, how you view the numbers? Sure. I think all in all, it was a, a good jobs report. You know, it's not as rosy as it's been in recent months, but I think in in some sense, it's a good thing. Job growth continues to moderate. We added two hundred sixty three thousand jobs in September. Uh, the unemployment rate ticked down by 0.2 percentage points to three and a half percent, matching its you know its low since the pandemic started. Uh, labor force participation down a little bit, which is you know probably one of the more problematic things in the report. You know, still waiting for participation to really tick up, and, and we backtracked a little bit in September. Uh, job growth is still broad based. You know, we start to see a little bit of weakness creeping in in, in some expected places. I think, you know, financial services payrolls pulled back a little bit, and that's you know mainly housing market related. A little bit of a pullback in transportation and warehousing, as you've got you know, a little bit of reduction in, in goods demand happening. Um, government was weak, but that's mainly a seasonal issue in you know local government education payrolls. So the timing of teachers coming on and off payrolls, uh, coming back to school. But all in all, you know, job growth is still broad based across industries. Wage growth is is still strong, which again is is not necessarily a positive in 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 light of everything else that's happening with the Fed. Um, it's it's a good report. Well, I don't know. I find it mind numbing kind of report, right? Because this is we're in a world of good news is bad news, bad news is good news, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and you, you, you kind of said it wasn't quite as rosy, uh, meaning 
job growth was slower than it has been. Uh, but maybe that's a good thing because right. that in a world of full employment, and we're definitely full employment, three and a half percent unemployment, we're a high wage growth, 5%, and, and obviously very high inflation, 8% plus, that would suggest that we need to see some moderation in job growth. So in, in this case, good if it's good news, meaning strong job growth, that's bad news, right? Because that means mm-hmm. uh, you know we're going to make less progress on you know, getting the uh, inflation down to a place where we all feel comfortable with that and can allow the Fed to stop tightening policy. So, so which is it? Is it, you know, if you're looking at it through the prism of what does it mean for, uh, you know, a slowing labor market, job market, wage growth, getting inflation in, getting the Fed to stop raising interest rates, is it, is it, is it good news? Is it bad news? How, how do you view it? I think it's probably middle of the road. I actually think you it's probably not moderating as fast as we would like it to. Um, you know, so I think in that sense, it's probably not great news. Um, because underlying growth, you know, the top line number was 263, but if you sort of take out the government volatility there, underlying growth is still probably around 300,000, which is you know, obviously much stronger than it was pre-pandemic and much stronger than we need it to be to keep pace with with population growth and labor force growth. So I think in that sense, you know, we could, if even faster moderation would be good news for the Fed. Yeah, Ryan. So Ryan, uh, want to fill in any holes there in, in Dante's uh, quick synopsis, and you know, uh, give us your interpretation of the numbers? I mean, the unemployment rate fell for the wrong reason. More people left the labor force. Uh, the labor force participation rate. I mean, if you adjust it for population and demographics, it's roughly where we would expect it to be. So I'm not too concerned about that. But to your point, it's the job market's not slowing fast enough for the Fed, and I think why markets are selling off today is that. 75 looks pretty much guaranteed. We get the CPI, the consumer price index next week. That's going to you know seal the deal between a 50 or 75 basis point rate hike, but the job market is still too hot for the Fed. Yeah, well, okay. So uh, I, I thought before today's numbers, the, mar- the markets is as uh, implied by the futures markets for the federal fund rate target, the rate the Fed controls, was anticipating or pricing in with a pretty high probability, a, a 75 basis point, yeah, three quarter percentage point increase in the funds rate in November, a half a point increase in, at the December meeting, and then a quarter point rate increase early next year. And then they would stop. And that would, you know, for a while, take a look around. That that was my, before today's numbers, that seemed to be, at least last time I looked, that was what the markets investors were saying. Is that is that roughly right? Yeah, it's, it's a little, little higher than now. that. It's a little higher terminal. now. Yeah, the terminal rate is getting up to four point seven percent now. Yeah, yeah, but so, but if if you just follow through on what I just said, that gets you the terminal rate of four seven five. I mean, four and a half to four seven five. I think you need one more hike in there. Yeah. 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 Oh, do I? Yes. Okay. We're not going to beat you up too much, Mark. You've been flying a lot, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, the funds rate right now is what? It's three hundred to three twenty-five. Oh, three twenty-five. Oh, so if I add another hundred and fifty mm-hmm. basis, no, one hundred fifty basis points, right? That gets me yeah. to four seventy-five. Yeah. Well, I'm right, aren't I? Right. I you said next- that- yeah. <laughs> You said 75, 25, 25? Oh, no, no, no. I said 75, half a point, and a quarter point. 75. Oh, okay. I'm right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't get sleep, but I'm still right. Yeah. We're making sense. Oh, there we go. Yeah. 
We're gonna have to uh, go back and revisit the tape there. So. Yeah, well, Ben, Ben, the producer, go when you have a chance. Go back and rewind. I think I, I said that, but anyway, but uh, well, but that's what the markets were expecting before. I thought, and are they still? They're still expecting that, or are they? I guess with greater. That's still there. Still there. Still there. Okay, I guess maybe yeah. there was some. Maybe it's one of those deals where investors were kind of, sort of, pricing and are hoping that we get a. You know, uh, everything looked good in the report to suggest the Fed could maybe take their foot off the accelerator a little bit and not follow through on that. And they got disappointed. Yeah, yes. well, I think people got encouraged by the JOLTS data, the job opening and labor turnover survey, where we got a big drop in labor demands. The number of uh, open positions fell. So I think there was some growing hope maybe that the Fed can dial back. But I think today's new data kind of squashes that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any, any uh, Ryan, uh, before I go to Chris, anything else in the report you'd call out? Well, my favorite number, yeah. nine major oh, yeah. employment to population ratio. It's north of 80. So but it, I think it rose. Did it, did it go up or go down? Ticked down by a tenth. Tenth? Yeah, but it still remains north still of 80. High, so. yeah. yeah, no, 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 wait. It's 80.2, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, I mean... 80 is kind of the rule of thumb for full employment, right? So 80.2 right. is we're at full employment, but it doesn't feel like we're yeah. we that, at least Falling by that measure. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're um, kind of in the sweet spot. Right. Chris, what about you? What, what what's your uh want to fill in any, any holes in the in the numbers and what's your sense of the of the report? My, what's my take? No, at any other time, this would be a great report, right? We'd say, oh. <laughs> much faster than what we need for population growth. But at this time, of course, it's it's negative. I think what the Fed focuses on is the uh, wage growth. Uh, so 5% average hourly earnings is still too hot. I think it moderated a bit from 5.2% growth, but still, um, that's too hot. And they're going to look at the ECI, Employment Cost Index, to make that final determination. But I think 75 bips at this point is is sealed in. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, the way I look at it, the report and why it's so confusing and, uh, you know, why you could, depending on which uh, angle you look at it from, you get a kind of a different sense of it is uh, there's labor demand and then there's labor supply on the labor demand side. And this is what businesses are uh, demanding uh, workers. That is that seems to indicate that that's slowing. So job growth is slowing. Uh, we can debate what underlying job growth is, abstracting from the vagaries of the data, but it feels like it's about, you know, not quite half of what it was back in the summer. We're getting 500,000 plus. In fact, last year, I just, I saw this in the report, I think the average monthly job growth in 2021 was like 560,000 or something like that. We're down to something like 420,000 so far in 2022. And it feels like we're, as Dante said, probably around 300K right now. So we're definitely moving in that direction. And then you add to that the, the job opening labor turnover survey data that, Ryan, you just mentioned, the jolts. That big decline in unfilled open positions, I'm sure that overstates the case. I'm sure there's oh, yeah, statistical. Definitely. But regardless, I mean, that's like very few changes in economic data are statistically significant. That was. Uh, that was that was statistically significant. 
And and I my guess is that a lot of those other unfilled positions that are still there that are kind of you know above what you would typically see, they're probably soft unfilled positions. I bet they're they're going to you know start evaporating here pretty quickly, uh, just like they did in the last month. So it feels like labor. De- if you if if I just if if I just looked at labor the, the labor demand side of the report, I'd say you know it, it's pretty good. It's actually damn good, right? I mean. The, it's the labor market is throttling back in an orderly way, and you know we're moving in the right direction. You you take the trend lines by early next year, we'll be sub 100,000 job growth, and that's consistent with you know unemployment moving north uh, and labor market pressures easing and wage growth slowing. But the 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 problem, uh, the reason why markets investors are so anxious and why at the moment stocks are selling off long term interest rates are up is labor supply because on the labor supply uh, that was disappointing labor force participation declined not a lot it went from you know i think 62.4 to 62.3 so and that's that is not statistically significant i mean you know that's bounced around but unemployment then fell from 37 to 35 and everyone's now focused on we need we need unemployment to start moving north to get that uh, to signal that wage uh, that the labor market's you know, becoming less tight and that wage growth will start to moderate inflation could come in and the Fed could stop raising interest rates and that's the disappointment in the report so you know it depends on which part of the labor market elephant you're touching you get a different perspective on things and why it's so confusing is that does that people what do you think of that frame for thinking about it Ryan no, I would agree with you. I'm just I'm confused about the elephant reference. Oh, <laughs> the <Blake> Morgan elephant. <laughs> well, there's you, another Zandyism. Hold on, wait. You've heard that phrase, right? If I touch the trunk of the elephant, yeah, I think yeah, blindfold, or I touch the rear end, I've got a different perspective on that elephant. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Dante, what no, do you? I would, I would agree with you. Oh, you would agree. You would agree with that. Yeah, one. I think everything you said was spot on. Okay, Dante. Yeah, I agree. I think you know the the jolts, the jobs op- openings data is just a little bit hard to make sense of right now. You know, one because you had such a big decline, you've had an even bigger decline over the last four or five months. You know, openings are down 1.8 million or so since March, but they're still historically high by a wide margin. So it's you've had this huge reduction, but they're still incredibly elevated, and we've never had a period over four or five months where openings are coming in while job growth is strong. Right in the 20 years of data that we have on job openings, they've, they've only ever really had a sustained decline when we're already in a recession. Right when job growth is declining, so we've never seen, we have no historical precedent for this idea that we actually have labor demand sort of getting pulled in without job growth also uh, falling. And so I think it's hard to really understand what that means and if it is something we should take seriously. Yeah, and one thing I would add is that we're, we still have that path to a soft landing for the Fed because I think how I'm kind of charting whether or not we're still on that path is looking at the beverage curve, which is the relationship between job openings and the unemployment rate. And you know, the Fed wants it to fall straight down. Yeah. And the jolt state is through August. So it shifted out, but with the decline in the unemployment rate, it likely moved back into where the Fed wants it to be. So we're still, it's possible. I'm skeptical, but you know, still there is that path to a soft landing. Yeah, Chris. That frame, the uh, yeah. Supply. No, I, I'd agree with that. I think that path is quite narrow, right? Very narrow, but 
Of the, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. And the labor market data is, is lagging here. So we want to, I think the openings is the more relevant statistic uh, to be focused on if, okay. it, if measured properly versus the employment. And the total state is not like that much. It's through the end of August. So it's only roughly two week difference between the day that we got this morning, which the reference week includes the 12th of September versus the yeah. end of August. So it's well, like, but the issue is more the, the measurement, right? Hard versus yeah. soft. Is, is it really an opening? Is it not an opening? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused by what you said, though. I mean, yeah, what the, the job openings lead um, job growth, the, the decline in the job opening. So, so what is that? Job openings are coming down rapidly. That's a positive sign. That's the okay. number I would focus if I have to choose between looking at the unemployment rate or payrolls versus the openings. I think the openings is the more indicative number at this point it, of where it, we're headed. Well, right? Doesn't that suggest that that's consistent with the path a path forward where the labor market eases, wage growth slows, inflation comes in, and we don't have a recession? Isn't it? It's in that not direction. Not your mouth, I know, but no, no, it's in that direction, but it's not yeah. enough, right? Even ten million job openings at this point is far too much, right? So it's good well, that it's coming down, but. I don't think it's enough for the Fed to change course at this point or ease up. Right. Right. I mean, do you, I hadn't had, because I've been traveling, I, I haven't had a chance to dig deep into the job openings numbers. Was the decline in job openings broad based across industries? Do you, do you know, or was it, was it concentrated? Yeah. Dante wrote up a piece on economic view about this. Yeah, it was it declined in almost every industry. Obviously, some declines were bigger, but I think construction was the only major industry where openings actually increased, which was a little bit surprising to me. That's but I think weird. it was down everywhere weird. else. Yeah. Every I'm sorry, everywhere else it was down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um I mean, it, it, I mean, one narrative would be that you know we saw this surge in job openings when the, when the economy reopened about a year ago, a little over a year ago now, with the vaccination uh, and the end of the you know the end of the worst part of the pandemic. I mean, it felt like every business in the country put up a help wanted sign at exactly the same time, right? So right. that wasn't surprising. And then you know, uh, businesses are. Uh, you know, the labor market is tight. The unemployment rate is low. It's three and a half percent. The employment to population ratio for prime age workers is 80 percent plus. That's consistent with a strong economy. So you, you, you keep those open positions open uh, until it's clear that you, you don't need them. And, and that's what's happening like right now. It started happening at the beginning of the year. But like now it's it's very clear that in many of these industries, you just don't need those open positions and they're evaporating here. They're, they're evaporating as fast as they were put up. And if that's the case, then, uh, you know, that would be consistent with, you know, the, the ability of the, you know, the labor market to ease up here and wage growth to roll over. And, you know, we get, uh, we get that path forward without going into recession. Mm -hmm. with the Fed having, not having to go on the high alert and we, we find our way of uh, a soft landing. Does, does that that narrative? It's possible. Yeah, that's the narrative. It's possible, yeah. but I just think it's unlikely. And why? It's a very well. It's a it's a very narrow path to fight uh, inflation. On the one hand, right, you're looking at the inflation data, and you're going to hike because the inflation is still way too high. Um, 
and have that uh, calibrate sufficiently that you you remove just the uh, the open positions without doing damage to the actual labor market without actually having layoffs, mass layoffs. I just find that the uh, likelihood yeah. of overshooting is, is is quite high. Yeah, but go back to that narrative. That narrative is just centered around the the, the pandemic and the pandemic and what was what's weird or what's you know unique is the fact that the economy was shut down, reopened, and all everyone put up these open wanted uh, uh, you know the help wanted advertise uh, open these positions up and. Uh, you know, getting them back, they they went from low to high in a very short period of time, a few months. And what I'm arguing is, it's going to come in as fast. It's going to come in as fast because the, the because you just don't need them now. You know, the labor, you know, the economy is starting to slow and labor market. So those open positions are going to evaporate. But we'll I see. think we're on your path. Your narrative. Yeah. We're currently going through that. I think Chris yeah. is just saying we're going to get pushed off that path pretty soon. Yeah. Well, what's, if job openings are falling that fast, what's the mechanism that stops Breaks. the free fall at the right moment? That's what. Yeah. Yeah. So if businesses that that worry, they're pulling back that quickly on openings. What stops that ball from dropping past where we want it to? It, that's, it, that's the thing I'm not sure about. It's because those open positions weren't really that open. Any, I mean, they're kind of sort of sitting there. They're just sitting there. I, 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 because I had to put them up. I, I needed people to come back to work. I posted those unfilled positions back when the economy reopened and they're just, they're just kind of sort of sitting there. So it's, it's not a reflection of it, a tight labor, as tight a labor market as you, as you think it does. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it you doesn't need to layoffs. We, we, yeah. we lose the, these sort of like half position. Yeah. These yeah, quasi yeah. open positions, but then once mm -hmm. we lose all those, then we stop. Is that, yeah, that's it's not, it doesn't mean the same thing, you know, as, uh, uh, the, the 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 fact that they rose to such a high degree doesn't mean the labor market was as tight as that would suggest. That here's the other way of putting it: that the unemployment rate at three and a half percent and the employment to population ratio at eighty percent is actually the really good measure of where the labor market is. It's not any tighter than that. It's that's, that's how tight it is, and that's tight. And you got to slow the economy, but that's that's kind of typical, you know, tight at this point, you know, when you're in, in a business cycle. It's not like excruciatingly tight, which is what you would conclude by looking at the number of unfilled positions. That's that's what I'm saying. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. So it's not. Therefore, it's a, still a hard path. I'm not arguing that because even in a, if it's typical kind of tightness, getting the economy to slow on cue is not easy. But it's not as difficult as it might appear by looking at those unfilled positions. That that that's the argument I'm making. But. We'll see here. Please. I don't know. We're at the moment of know. truth. <laughs> We're at the moment of truth, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. The next few months are going to be. Next few months. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, the, I wonder the if issues. your world travels are coloring your, uh, your views here. <laughs> well, we, well I, it, it, actually, I've seen extremes here, you know, overseas, right? I mean, I go to the UK. You go to the UK. It's at, That is at one extreme. They're, they're in chaos. I mean, uh you know, of course, with the new prime minister, they uh, she came forward with this uh, this uh, fiscal package that was deficit finance, tax cuts, and spending increases in a, in a world where the labor market in the UK is, is arguably tighter than it is in the US. It's well beyond full employment by traditional measures, the unemployment rate, uh, and uh, of course, uh, uh, a lot of concern about the economy 
uh, overheating and then uh, the fiscal sustainability of the deficit financing, given all the uh, the, the magnitude of the stimulus, and then you know, of course the uh, chaos that that trigger triggered because of the rise in point, the guilt yields, you know, made life very difficult for pension mm-hmm. plans here because of some uh, approach they took to managing their liabilities. You know, all kinds of uh, you know unintended fallout from from all of that. So complete chaos in the UK. But then I go to the GCC, the Gulf Coast. I was just in dubai and it's you know they're 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 doing fine no problem you know life is good cranes everywhere so i've seen both both sides of the global economy at this point so you mentioned we're at kind of like the next few months are going to be critical but it's going to be difficult to separate the signal from the noise and the data because hurricane ian is going to cause a lot of problems with the the employment data ah yeah jobless claims are going to spike yeah they're going to spike um but you can separate that. You can do like UI, US minus Florida. But right, you know, some it's going to just add some volatility, and like, you know, it's going to make things a little bit messier to interpret. What about the these job numbers? Will it affect because it's this by the survey week, which is next week for the month of October. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you, is it going to yeah, lift jobs or hurt jobs? Or let's see what UI does. Okay. I would say it's still hurt a little bit. I mean, the timing is more fit. You know, it's not going to be as big yeah. of an impact would have been if it hit now or a few days from now. But I think it's still going to have a negative impact, at least in Florida. Negative yeah, in the past. Yeah, but in the past, we've looked at you know the timing of storms. If it hits during the reference week, it's significantly disrupted to the employment data. But if it hits before, it's it's less. It still leaves a mark, but it's not enormous. But back to your opening point, you know, it may artificially make the employment numbers look a little low next month, which may may make us too optimistic, right? I mean, we, that's actually what we want to see. So it's it may be a false sense of security that the job market is slowing more than it actually is. So you don't think the reconstruction will be kicking in by then, and that will create jobs? Just clean up. Yeah, Only the clean up would be take a little bit longer, I think, before that starts to really manifest. Right. Yeah, because are any I guess tourist spots are disrupted, uh, and they won't. They'll, I guess there'll be layoffs there, and they, those folks won't be back to work in time. Right. Yeah, yeah. there's gonna be some business closures. Yeah. So the, yeah, I mean the BLS made a mention that it didn't affect this, which isn't surprising. It hit after the reference week, but they put a direct message in the report about Ian. Right. Right. The Fed meets before the next employment report, though. Right. So. That's, yeah, I think they meet November second. Yeah, I think it's the second. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah, they won't have this BLS. That's why next quarter CPI numbers. They'll have ECI though for the third quarter, which is the end of October. Yeah, so. I think yeah, that's more relevant. The, yeah. And if you look at the quits rate, the ECI is going to be strong. Yeah, you want to explain that, Ryan? Yeah, so the quits rate does a pretty good job of, uh, you know predicting what the employment cost index for wages is going to be in the following quarter. Because uh, we're, if you look at the Atlanta Fed wage tracker, where a lot of the wage growth is for people that are, are quitting their jobs and in between jobs and things like that. So that's where we're seeing the strongest wage growth. And that, you know, with a quits rate this elevated, the Fed's going to continue to press hard on the, on the, the break because they need wage growth to slow, to pull down the demand inflation that we're experiencing. So but I'm with you, Mark. I, I I don't know if your view has changed, but our inflation problems are still on the supply side, and that's the Fed can't do anything about that. Well, I mean, they got to get labor. Well, I, I mean, they can't get labor demand down, and they, you know, I mean, even yeah, they can do that. Objectively speaking, 
labor demand is still strong relative to kind of trend labor supply. I mean, trend mm-hmm. labor supply is 100K per month, roughly, right. in jobs. And we're creating, even today, even in the month of September, 260K. So objectively, they can get that down, right? That's yeah. that they're working to do. But I think there's some good signs on the supply side. So, you know, the supply delivery times and the ISM manufacturing survey came in, and that's just another indication. Shipping rates are come down a, a significant amount in the last few weeks. So that's a sign that the supply chain stress is starting to ease. So we should get some more good disinflation over the next few months. Yeah. Which we need. Yeah. Well, we definitely need. So, but then you have get... oil. <laughs> What's that? Then you have oil, right? OPEC cutting, right? Oil prices going yeah, back up, gas prices going back. Maybe we should, well, let's go maybe complete the uh, the discussion around the jobs and then let's t- turn to oil. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I when I saw the numbers this morning and I was on a plane, and thank you, Ryan, for sending me an email on the plane because I couldn't get on the time. I couldn't get on the internet <laughs> to see it. Uh, I thought, oh, that, that you know, it wasn't, you know, I thought the markets would be kind of mixed. Right, because of the labor demand is very positive from a market perspective, and labor supply is negative. I didn't expect this negative react, this strong negative reaction from markets at least early on. I mean, of course, it's, the, it's early in the trading day, and we'll see how it ends up. But, but nonetheless, I was a little surprised by that. Um, it's also after some rallies earlier this week, right? So okay, so it's just you know, some, normal market volatility is what you're saying. Might be giving up some of the gains. Yeah, random walk. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, at this point, if we continue to see job growth throttle back, so, you know, end of this year going into next, we're around 100K and, you know, unfilled positions continue to move south as they have been since the beginning of the year, uh, no more, no less. And the quit rate continues to moderate, still very high, but it is more or less moderating if you look through the monthly volatility. I guess the next thing that has to happen, which hasn't happened, goes back to your point about wage growth. That has got to roll over. If we're thinking about this in the context of the Fed's path, you know, the path to uh, uh, inflation back at target without having to go into into a recession, that's the next thing that's got to happen here. We got to see that those wage growth numbers start to throttle back. Okay. Uh, anything else on the job numbers? Um, you want to call out? I think we covered a lot of ground. No. Again, outside of the the current situation, that it was a good report. U six, the broader unemployment rate is back down to its all time low. The demographic unemployment rates. Are quite low. Black uh, unemployment is 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 down. So there was there's a lot to celebrate in the report from a household perspective, right? right? So the labor market remains strong from that that start that from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. From, from, from if I'm a worker thinking about, I've got a job yeah. and I, yeah, it's a positive. But in the current context, uh, it just it goes back to that mind numbing. Good news is bad news. Bad news mm-hmm. is good news. You know, kind of thing. Okay. That's right. Yeah. That's let, let's talk about oil a little bit because that obviously is also very important to the inflation outlook and what the Fed's going to do. And the big news here, and I was in the GCC in the Gulf, uh, in the, in the middle, middle East, um, uh, when they, uh, OPEC Plus decided to cut its uh, quotas. Um, uh, you know, you want, what did you guys have a take on that? Do you have a view on that? I mean, I, 
pretty strong comments coming out of the administration and other uh, uh, politicians in Washington. Do you, do you guys have a perspective on, on any of that? What's going on there? Chris, do you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, obviously it's everybody looks out for their own interest, right? So yeah, the fact that they cut is not uh, not terribly surprising. They, uh, oil producers want to keep uh, oil prices high, uh, obviously. In part, you could say it's a reaction to the uh, the uh, actions taken by the U.S. in terms of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve releases there. Right from the oil producers' perspective, they might look at that as manipulating uh, the market, and they're just responding to those to that increase in uh, in oil on the market with reductions on their side to keep the uh, the price elevated. So, I'm not shocked by the the actions here. I, well, obviously, it's not it's not in the U.S. interest for these uh, prices to remain high, but um, for the OPEC producers, it's kind of it's not unexpected that they that they took this action that's yeah that's my take that's i i would concur with that i i thought the uh i guess i can understand from a political perspective why you of course why they <laughs> might get bashed right because obviously this means higher gasoline prices and that's politically charged particularly as you move into the midterm election which is less than a m- month away uh, and, and there may be some political aspects to what OPEC did, OPEC plus did. Uh, but it feels like, I agree with you, it feels more just self-interested, uh, self-interest. I mean, oil prices were coming in, right? We mm-hmm. were closing in on $80 a barrel, you know, a week ago before all the this talk about an OPEC plus cut came to the fore. And uh, I don't think that from a from a OPEC perspective, a Saudi perspective, a UAE perspective, that they, you know, they, I think they feel more, they feel like it's in their best interest to have oil sitting around 90 as opposed to 80. Because 90, right. I get obviously more revenue, but I'm not killing demand. I'm not going to crush the global economy. But if that's kind, of, that's kind of the sweet spot, you know, for prices. So if, you know, you look at it from that perspective, their perspective on trying to maximize their revenue, which, you know, but it, that is what it is. Uh, 90 seems about right. So they cut uh, quotas. And, you know, you can kind of calibrate it because they the announced cut was 2 million barrels a day. So they're going to cut quotas by 2 million barrels a day of production. But because many of the OPEC members weren't producing at their existing quota, the actual cut in output is closer to a million barrels a day. Exactly. A million. And if you do kind of a our rule of thumb is every million barrels a day is worth $10 on a barrel of oil. What they did is they took oil from 80 bucks a barrel to 90 bucks a barrel. Um, so that's what they did. And it just feels again, like from their, from if you're sitting in their shoes, they're standing in their, what's, what's the, what's the phrase standing in their shoes, right? Standing in their shoes. You kind of sort of get it, right? That's, that's what you would do. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dante, yeah, you, I saw you shaking your head. Do you have a different view? No, I agree. It makes sense. I mean, you know, from yeah, from that perspective, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Here's We're the other... only talk. It's, it's a small amount off GDP growth in the U.S., though. The it's more about inflation, issue. though, is Yeah. It? Oh, no, I agree. Yeah. It's more yeah. about inflation, but... It's not about growth at this point. I mean... Mm-hmm. I mean the U.S. is a major producer, right? So... 
yeah. their beneficiaries in the U.S. from higher prices as well. That's a good point. Right. I mean, if you look at our model, our model of the global economy, if you shock it by ten dollars, you raise oil prices by ten bucks. What does it do to GDP in the subsequent year? I think it's about a tenth percent off. Tenth. Right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Pretty minor, but it you know it 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 goes right to consumer sentiment psychology. Uh, it goes right into inflation. You know we've been seeing inflation come in because of the lower oil prices and food prices, and now that now it's going up, so it doesn't feel very good. I will say though, in our forecast for oil prices, and here I'm focused on West Texas Intermediate, we have been assuming ninety dollar barrel oil. You know through this year going into next. So our forecast has not changed. And now we didn't exactly forecast OPEC cutting like this, but if OPEC didn't cut, then other things would have happened to keep keep prices up. So uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's even with this move, it's far off of what you know we we were thinking at least in terms of the pricing going forward. So and here's the other thing uh, if, the, if the, this all assumes the global economy doesn't go into a recession, right? I mean, if the global economy goes into recession, and it's not, it's not in recession, at least by our calculation, it's close, but it's not in recession. Uh, if it goes into recession, global demand will weaken, right? And you'll get prices back, you know, even it'll be in the 80s again, you know, not 90. Uh-huh. So, okay. All right. It's, I mean, obviously not great, you know, from an inflation perspective and trying to land that plane on the tarmac, you know, makes it makes the landing even more difficult. But, it, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's, very different than you know expectations the expectations we've been having we've had all along um okay uh, let's play the game let's play the statistics game and i'll have to right. admit i'm i've been recently relatively unprepared for this game um we'll give you a mulligan well uh you you will give me a mulligan oh yeah of course I mean, when you're traveling this much like we're at, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the expectation the bar is lowered the bar is lowered for me okay i'm, I'm good with yeah. that i mean the bar is raised for dante since he's been yeah but for you we can we can yeah, lower it time crunch yeah. the numbers right and dante you are prepared right you've been thinking about that you've got a number yeah okay you've got a number okay good all right so the game the statistics game we all put forward a statistic the rest of the group tries to figure that out with the clues questions deductive reasoning the best uh, statistic is one that's not too easy that we all get it so quickly. You guys got the cowbell ready just in case and not too hard. There you go. Not too hard that, um, you know, we can't get it and it's got to be, ap- well, it doesn't have to be, but it'd be nice if it's apropos to events, you know, what's going on now, recent statistics. So with that, let me turn to Dante. Dante, you're going first for everything in this uh, podcast. Uh, so which was your statistic? It is minus 2,000. Okay. Is it uh, in the employment report? It is in the employment report. Is yes. it in the payroll service? Yes. So it's a change is in job like growth industry? in some sector? Yeah. Industry? Yeah. It is a change in industry jobs, yeah. So some industry lost 2,000 jobs in the month of September, and you want us to figure that out. That's your statistic. Yeah, it's important, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, important a, for oh. labor, it's important for labor supply conversation we were having. Child I care. It's a women uh, yeah, child, child care. care. I teed it up for him. He's, you know, he said his oh, travel late. You know, there that's you go. impressive. Wait, wait, wait. Right. These other two guys didn't get it as fast as I got <laughs> it. No. Yeah, we were we were gonna get there. Oh well, yeah. Well, maybe five minutes down the road you get there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, come on. That's all right. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was a little... the, the half was it the half uh, bell there? I, I, I'm surprised Mark didn't travel with his cowbell 
You know, I did travel with uh, my loom loom cube, uh, but I couldn't fit the, the cowbell in there. But uh, oh, yeah. uh, what's know, a loom cube? You don't know what a loom yeah. cube is. Loom cube nope. shines a light uh, on on your face. So if I do a TV interview, I can I can do I can do TV interviews from anywhere. In fact, I did I did one I did uh, one yesterday in in air, in a CN, CNBC Arabia, I think they call it. No, it, was, it was ah. in Arabic. I, not that I speak Arabic, but you know it was translated. So it was pretty cool. Um, in fact, the hardest I did an interview with CNN. The hardest interview I did all week was CNN. They, 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 it was about the OPEC cuts. Yeah. And the first question was, uh, do you think uh, the that OPEC is weaponizing oil? That was the question. I go, oh, wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to start an interview. A good way to start an interview. <laughs> I'm afraid to go back and look at what I said. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, so, okay, why'd you pick that number? Uh, why that statistic? Yeah, so obviously we've been talking a lot about labor supply as the, you know, the big thing that we're sort of waiting to see come around. And one of the issues still out there is that you know employment and childcare services is still something like eight percent lower than it was before the pandemic. You know, there are still shortages in available childcare for parents who are looking to get back to work. Um, yeah, I think we know from other data that there are some people out there, right? The number of people that are out of the labor force but want a job is still elevated by you know I think eight hundred thousand relative to what it was in early twenty twenty. So there there's still some set of people, you know, whether it's a half a million or a million people that are. You know, sitting out there saying they want a job and there's some reason they're not coming back. And I think one of those key reasons is still, you know, childcare issues are, you know, are still problematic for a lot of people in terms of cost and availability. And those are obviously directly linked to one another. So you know, we had seen some improvement in childcare service employment. And, you know, it's not a big pullback in September, but it's moving in the wrong direction in terms of providing any support to you know, labor supply. Yeah, I got distracted there for a second. And I may have missed it, but what what's going on? Why uh, Why can't these childcare facility centers stand up. I mean, is it simply can't find people at the at prevailing wages? Is that what it is? Yeah, I assume it's a combination of you know, there's obviously no flexibility in work arrangement like a lot of other jobs can offer. You have to be there in person, uh, you have to be around uh -huh. potentially sick children. You you know, the wages are not great. You know, uh, they've improved, but they're still not great relative to other available positions. And I think given how many job openings we still have, there's just a lot more competition for a limited pool of workers. So, oh, that's interesting. I I, I didn't think of that. Um, you, I know you in in times past, you look at labor force participation by different demographic groups, and you looked at the participation rate of of uh, young parents uh, uh, and uh, both male and female, and and that was they 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 did decline quite a bit, and it wasn't until schools reopened that they sort of came back and that was about a year ago now when schools really reopened in september of 2021 have you looked at that data recently uh, do you know what i say i have not updated it recently no i mean it had come most of the way back you know not long after schools broadly reopened i think there was still a little mm -hmm. bit of weakness across parents particularly of young children you know sort of less than six years old which would you know point to the you know sort of daycare story more than the school reopening story um, so I think there's probably still some evidence there, at least the last time I looked that, you know, daycares in particular were still having a little bit of an impact on the ability of parents to to work. So, but do you still think this is, you know, going back to labor force participation, you know, it's down a, uh, about a point from a pre-pandemic. Do you think, uh, suppose uh, there was no issues with childcare and uh, parents finding the help they need? 
How much would that really add to the participation rate? We're not talking a half a point, are we? We're talking like a tenth or two, something like that. Yeah, I would I would lean yeah. more towards a tenth. I think it's it's one of the factors. It's you know, it's not you know, sort of the majority factor by any means. I don't think. Okay. So right. If you look at the fee, I'm looking at it right now. The yeah. female labor yeah. force participation rate was 56.8 in September. Pre-pandemic, it was 57.9. Oh, okay. Overall, for women, though. Overall, I, mean, I yeah. actually look at prime, but yeah, or yeah, so, I but, think prime age women actually hit an all. It was close an all-time high. I think we that might have been last month. The participation uh, rate, yeah. I think so yeah, for prime so, age. Yeah, I think there's certainly some evidence that you know it's not having a huge impact anymore, like it was yeah in the early days of, of the recovery. Um, but I think it's still a factor to consider. It's still a factor. Yeah. Okay. Is that right, so nice? Prime, prime, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. Uh, prime age. Uh, female labor force participation September eighty two point seven, pre pandemic eighty three. Oh, so pretty close, or really okay. close? Yeah, really close. Okay. Uh, and as I recall, one thing that surprised me about that work you did was that uh, participation rate by men, a parent, male parents of young children, was down a lot too. At one point, as much as it was down for women. Females. I found that surprising. Yeah, it actually seemed, if I you know, remembering it, it was, there was a difference in timing. You know, at the very onset of the pandemic, women, you know, right. uh, mothers got hit much harder. But then it seemed like over sort of the first year of the recovery, that sort of, you know, they improved. But actually, you know, male parents started to pull back a little bit. So it seemed like there was some switching behavior there, just some difference in the initial impact versus sort of the the slightly longer term impact of, of job losses. Uh, yeah. A bit different for men and women. Yeah, and I don't know if I, I said this earlier, but I'll, I'll say it again if I did. Uh, it feels like to me we can't count on any improve, significant improvement in participation, that we're down a point from pre-pandemic. If you go back pre-pandemic and look at the forecast we were making and others were making for labor force participation two and a, you know now, two and a half years later, we had participation down. I don't know if it was down a point, but it was down pretty close to a point, I think. So we expected it because of it primarily because of the aging out of the baby boom generation out of the workforce that that was going to happen, you know, pandemic, no pandemic. If you look just at the forecast of the actual size of the labor force, though, we're still in a pretty big hole, right? I mean, it's it's recovered to the pre-pandemic high. But if you look at our forecast back at the end of 2019 for you know today, I think we were expecting two and a half, three million more people to be in the labor force than there are currently. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. The, you yeah. know, the rate, the participation was coming down, but we were still below what we would have expected in terms of overall labor force size. No, 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 no argument there. No, I'm just okay. saying it's not because of participation. It, that goes to working age population growth. And that probably goes yeah. back to immigration. Right. True. Yeah. And actually, until today's numbers, I haven't had a chance to look, but over the past almost year, there's been a very significant increase in uh people that are foreign born that are in the workforce and working that it feels like immigration is starting to pick up again. I, but it, it maybe fell back. It might've been somewhat statistical and fell back a little bit in this month, given the, the data I haven't had a chance to look, but it felt like we were starting to see some improvement. In fact, labor force growth year over year. I don't know, maybe Ryan, you can look for this month, but last month, the month of uh, August, it was close to 2%. And, and that's not, that that's, Pretty good for you know for labor force growth. Usually it's half a point to a point in a more typical time. So that's that was strong. But maybe we could take a look. 
Uh, okay, Chris, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Uh, 1.7. Are you sure? 1.7? Yes. You hesitated. Was, uh, <laughs> debating to give you a, a softball or a softer ball. <laughs> oh, so this is a is softball, it? but not a softer ball. Yes, yes. Okay, 1.7. 1.7. Nope. Oh, do you want oh. units? <sighs> oh, I units. Oh, you don't have to. It's not 1.7 widgets, though. It's something, no. something economic. It is something, yes. Is it in the employment numbers? Yes. Not it is like market-related. Oh, but not today's a... jobs numbers. Well, no. So it's right. in jolts. Yes. Or something you calculate. Oh, it's jolts. 1.7. Yes, yes. I think Dante's got it. No, it's the... the unemployed per job opening. Yes, yes. Right. Softer ball, right? So. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Or, I don't know. Well, one point so it's down. Per, it's down from two. Unemployed worker, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what, right. so this is so. Explain what it is and why you picked it. It's the number of job openings per unemployed worker. Okay. Uh, one point seven is still a high number. Prior to the pandemic, it was one point two. So it got as high as two job openings per per worker, and now it's come down to one point seven. So it's still elevated. Um, there's been some academic work to suggest this is the most relevant number in terms of uh, assessing the the tightness of the of the job market, and that this number has to come down back to that at least to that 1.2 uh, level. Um, so we still have a long way to go. So we lost 1.1 million job openings as we discussed earlier uh, in the month of August, but we need several months like that to get to something close to 7 million, which would be consistent with this, uh, with this ratio. Yeah. Yeah. What was the peak for the ratio? Do you know? It was well over two, probably. 11 uh, million. Right at two, I think. Right at it, two. Right at two. Yeah. And you're saying 1.2 is historically consistent with the full employment? Well, 1.2 is what we had prior to the pandemic. Okay. And as you recall, that was already, we already were thinking that was high, a uh, hot market. So yeah. probably something closer to one is uh, ideal. But, ideal. Um, right. Right. Well, I, I, I tell you guys, I, I have this sense that that number is going to come in fast right here. Mm-hmm. I just think it's coming in just based on, you know, uh, businesses are now nervous about recession they're hearing recession 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 and they're growing cautious and that you're going to pull those job positions pretty quickly so the fact that one million and again that might be overstated is indicative of the all the other millions that are very soft opens and they're going to they're going to evaporate here pretty quickly yeah so you want labor force growth yeah what's labor force growth what you what do you think it was well, at, through the month of August, year over year, it was close to 2%. Yeah, September was 1.99, so 2%. Okay. Uh, okay, but that, okay, like now go going back to labor places. supply, that's yeah. really strong. Yeah, if you look like before the pandemic, it was eyeballing the trends. Like no, no, but, no, no. I mean, before the pandemic, Trend labor force growth was a half a point to no more than a point percentage. Right. Working age population was growing no more than one, and participation had, you know, that topped out. So 
Mm-hmm. High end of labor force growth was one, and we're now at two. Right? That's that's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah, when wage growth is this strong, it pulls people in. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but okay. So we got weakening labor demand. We still have reasonably good. I mean, I'd say strong labor supply, and so that suggests things are moving in the right direction to ease this labor market, allow wage. And the next step here has got to be wage growth rolling over. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, that's got to happen. Okay. All right. I I don't know. The more I talk to you guys, the more optimistic I'm getting. Oh, (laughs) jeez. That means something's going to go wrong. Maybe it's just me talking myself into the optimism. I don't know. That's funny. Uh, All right. Okay. Well, that was a good good one. That was a good one. Okay, Ryan, you go next. All right. Well, this this is a perfect segue. One number's... (laughs) Seems optimistic, but reality is a different number. So 2.2% and 0.4%. 2.2 and 0.4. So one's easy, one's a little bit harder. Okay. Labor market related? It is not labor market related. Oh. No. Okay. But no. this is important. Is this uh, an economic statistic that came out this past week? Yes. Well, we. Uh, uh, Ooh, what? I don't want to oh. give you a hint, but he's not sure. No, it, it no, it came out this week, but it's it's not it's a, a, yes, it's, it's a not a release. Yes, it's not an economic. It's not movie. a release. Okay, no. that's okay. okay. So thank oh, you should be able to get this. Really, and and two point mm-hmm. two is a, pl- a positive. The point four is a negative. They're both positive numbers, but one looks oh. yeah. So two point two looks good, but in reality. 0.4 is where we are. I'm giving oh, you a really totally real big hint. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, this, seems, this really it's is. not a release. This is <laughs> like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, <laughs> it's really one's not good and it's it real. Better, right? What's he saying? Uh, really, me this. <laughs> is it, is it in- inflation related? It is not. Okay. It's uh, a number you ask about. It's a number I ask. I ask about so many numbers. That's the problem. I know. But yeah. It's like I'm constantly asking about numbers. Uh, okay. It came uh, out in the last seven days, or you derived it within the last seven days, I guess. It, mm-hmm. Is it, oh, is it a derivation? Your derivation? It, yeah, it's I, not, I, you derived it. You calculated yes. it. You calculated it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh I, I'm, I know I'm, as soon as you say it, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, is it a market, it. financial market variable? It is not financial market variable. Okay. Okay. Commodity related? It is not. It was closer to one this time last week. Oh, geez, Louise. Come on, Dante. You should know this. It's the oh, last yeah, right. so it's a weekly number. It's UI claims type of uh... the daily number. It's a daily oh, number. Oh wait, wait. Oh, come on, Mark. Wait, really? Okay, is that something with inflation expect? No, you said it's not inflation related. It's not. Oh, is it's, it bond? It's not inflation expectations related. Anyway, no. If you open up economic, it's plastered right there in a big blue circle. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, I know uh, high frequency yeah, GDP. Yeah, GDP. GDP. So our tracking estimate for third quarter GDP okay. went from 1% to 2.2%. But the reason for the increase and yeah. why it's misleading of the strength is that it's all trade. So the trade deficit really narrowed 
in August. And if you exclude trade net exports, uh, GDP is really tracking 0.4%. So just like how we discounted the drop in GDP in the first yeah. half of the year because of big swings in inventories and trade, we kind of have to discount the strength in Q3 because it's all trade related. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, I read that piece you wrote. All those numbers sound so familiar now, and that's why. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, interesting. So it's ba basically, <laughs> GDP has really gone nowhere. You know, since, exactly all year, all year long. It's just basically flat. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Okay, and um, but the reality is, GDP in Q3, and now we're into October. We're going to get more data, but it feels like it is. It's going to come in positive. It's going to come in positive. Right. It's going to come in around two percent ish. Something like that. We got we got more correct more to go. Yeah. But some of the weak like the weakness like is starting to now. Weak productivity story, right? I mean, it's <laughs> oh yeah, oh, very... yeah, yeah. Going weak productivity yeah. growth um, sounds like something like that. Ouch! Ouch! Yeah. Inside, inside uh, <laughs> comment there or barb. That was a barb. <laughs> that was definitely a barb. Because Dante's a productivity skeptic, and Chris is a productivity. Optimist. Optimist. <laughs> he's, right now, he's, right he's not looking so good. He's not looking no. so good. Uh, okay. All right. I got one for All you. Right, Mark, let's, let's see. I got, one. I, got, I got one for you. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm going to give you a number to make it a little harder. Um, I, if I give you the exact, I'm giving you a little bit of a hint by telling you all this. If I give you the exact right number, which I may have to do if you don't, if you found her here. Uh, so wait, wait, you're giving us a wrong number? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to round. I'm going to round. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm going right. to round. It's a rounded number. It's a rounded number. And the rounded number is 30,000. Employment related? Employment related. It's in a sector of employment. Uh, no, it's not in the jobs report. Not in the it's, jobs report. Not in today's employment is it, report. Is it in Jolts? It's not in Jolts, the job opening labor turnover claims. Oh, is this challenger layoffs? Yeah, yes, it is. Ding, ding, ding. Ah. He gets a bell. I de it definitely gets a bell. Yeah, very good. Gets a, gets a cowbell. Uh, Wasn't it 26,000? No, it was I, oh, no. I, 29,000. rounded. Oh, okay. 989. All right. You can see why I didn't want to say that because if I said that, you would have gotten it right away, probably. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't really. Do you do you pay much attention to the layoff announcements, the challenger uh, layoff announcements? Do you look at them? Yeah, I look at them. It doesn't factor into like the employment models because these are announced layoffs, not necessarily layoffs that have occurred. And they, businesses can change their plans. Like so, they can announce twenty nine thousand layoffs, but only go through with Half of them. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm beginning to think, though, we need to pay, pay more attention to that in the current context, right? Because the next thing that's got to happen uh, is uh, layoffs, more layoffs. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, that sounds really weird to say. It's bizarre, you know, to say that good, you know, bad, good news is bad news. That's kind of sort of what we're saying here. But layoffs are just incredibly low. You saw that in the initial claims for unemployment insurance. They're hanging around 200K. I think our rule of thumb is 250K per week is consistent with a healthy, good economy. You know, not too tight, not too too cold. And we're at 200K. Is that right? 250K? Should we put that stake in the ground? Is that is that the number we should be using? 250K on UI claims? Ryan? So when I estimate the break-even, so that, yeah. I mean, 
I think you're right. 250 is a healthy, like we're creating jobs. Healthy. Yeah. So the, that kind of line in the sand where uh, yeah. claims are consistent with no monthly job growth is closer yeah. to 280. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so, we, so, yeah, so, yeah, I would agree. 250 yeah. is good. Yeah. 250 is kind of this, you just right. Spot. Sort of. Sort <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. Um, uh, but 200 is like, that's too, that's no layoff. Too low. Very tight. Yeah, too low. Uh, and uh, the the uh, layoff announcements, even though you're right, they may not translate, and uh, depends on timing and everything else. Into that might be worthwhile as a leading indicator in the current environment where businesses are growing more cautious, where they're pulling unfilled positions. The other thing that you would expect them would would happen, you'd see more announced layoffs. And we mm-hmm. actually that thirty thousand or twenty nine thousand nine hundred eighty nine to be precise in the month of September was was pretty high. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. by recent historical standards, it's been incredibly low. I think you take you add up all of the layoff announcements so far this year through the month of October. It's the it's a record low. You know, ten months into a year, uh, but that number that thirty thousand that's pretty high. And so, if we start seeing, I would expect to see more of that as businesses are growing more cautious here and, and worried about recession. And that would be an indicator that you know we are starting to see a more normal, at least a more normalized level of layoffs. And that would, again, be another way to get job growth down into that sub 100K that we need to get unemployment moving north and taking uh, the pressure off of wages and ultimately prices. So I think mm-hmm. we might want to start focusing on, is there another source of layoff announcements? I, I think there is. Uh, you get the, what are they called? Warren, Warren reports? Yeah, we might want to take a look at you that. Can monitor too. those. Yeah, yeah. start monitoring those to take a look at that. And they're available. Dante, are they by state? Yeah, I think right, you're required to report to the state, some state office, yeah. if you're you know, planning to lay off above a certain, I think it's above 50, there's some thresholds. So if you're going to lay off five people, you don't have to file a war notice, but if it's above a certain threshold, you have to file with the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and can, those layoffs are concentrated in tech and retail, right? Yeah, so, yeah. healthcare, yeah. I think too, a little bit in healthcare, but you're right, mostly okay. tech, which is which yeah. consistent with the layoff announcements, right? The tech companies mm-hmm. have been you know, up front. Um, but uh, yeah, I talked to a lot of the Bay Area lenders, and they have a very different perspective than the national view. When when we talk about layoffs in the job market, right, oh. they're seeing, a, you know, because tech industry is is right there. So yeah, yeah, um, no, you're right. And, and they see that's that what house housing declines have been yeah. most affected, right? In the exactly. Bay so that's yeah. that's what they're saying is that yeah. ah, there's definitely a regional concentration. Right. Of these uh, layoffs. So. Right. Um, okay. Uh, why don't we, um, like, like I, I, whenever I say it's going to be a short podcast, it never is because I have so much, we have so much fun talking about these numbers. <laughs> but, you know, it is getting a little late in the day here in Singapore. I'm coming up on midnight. And, and by the way, I have not eaten dinner. So I'm like, and I got all these snacks. I got pistachios right here. I got a uh, fruit and nut bar from London. Uh, I got some dark chocolate. Oh, I took off the from plane. London. Did you uh, did you declare that at the uh, order <laughs> there? Or? Did I need to? No, it's, oh, uh, it's a good item. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like this is like a pound or something. Well, now you know uh, this is this used to be like you know took three bucks. Now it cost me a buck. You know because of the 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 dollar is so strong. So actually, I bought two of them. Here's the second one right here. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, we probably should uh, wind down this conversation. Are uh, you going to be able to find somewhere to eat at midnight? Well, you know, 
In fact, yes, uh, they Singapore, Singapore, at twenty four hours, sleeps, I can I can get something. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I got a twenty four hour gym, so I'm contemplating should I go run before I have my dinner. Uh, what do you think? Would you be? Would you think less of me or more of me if I went for a run before dinner at midnight in Singapore? What do you have scheduled for tomorrow? Uh, oh, actually, interestingly enough, uh, you know, Steve Cochran, our good colleague, is here in Singapore. He manages our Asian. Uh, he, uh, who and I know him for 30, 30, 30 years. He was he's, he calls himself 007. He was the seventh employee of a regional <laughs> financial associates that you know is the precursor to the to our our company now. And we're going to he and his wife and I are going to go to the botanical gardens here in Singapore. So, oh, oh those are yeah. famous. Well, then you have to go yeah. for us. You got anything on your plate? And what's that? Yeah, then you got a whole free day tomorrow. You got to go for a run. Okay, I'm going to go for a run. Well, it depends what time they're going to go to the gardens. Right? Nine nine a.m. He, he starts early. Oh no, go go to bed. <laughs> nine a.m. You're insane. No, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, we'll see how wired I am, but we, we, we're not done yet. Uh, so uh-huh. let's, uh, yeah, we got more to go here. Uh, <laughs> I want to know two things. First is where do you think the terminal rate for the funds rate will be? Terminal rate being what is the highest the federal fund rate is going to get bonus? If you can tell me when that's going to be and you know how long it's going to stay there. And then I, I do want to hear again, your probability of recession over the next 12 to 18 months. So we should reprise that. Um, and, um, uh, uh, should I start with the most pessimistic person on the podcast? Uh, okay. Let's get it over with Ryan. What's, what's how am I the most pessimistic? No, Chris, Chris? <laughs> recession odds are higher than mine. No, come no, on. No, I don't, I don't, is that right? Are you sure? Oh, they might be, they might all right, be. All right, let's are. go with Chris. Chris. Okay. So what do you first give me your, your fed forecast and then give me your odds of recession. All right, Fed forecast four and a quarter to four and a half percent. Oh wait, that that's less than what markets are anticipating. Correct. I don't think they'll. Uh, oh, you think the economy's going to make it break all the way before we get there? Yep. Oh my <laughs> gosh, <laughs> he is. Re- oh, Lordy, you are pessimistic. Okay, uh, realistic, realistic. Oh, I no. like to say. <laughs> so you think a recession is going to start like imminently? Uh, first quarter. First quarter. That's pretty soon. That's pretty yeah. soon. It's two months now. Well, no. sometimes it could be at the end of the first quarter. I'll give you some hope. Right. End of the first quarter. Maybe we have five months instead of two or three. Oh. Wait, when, when do you get back to the U.S.? Me? I get back a week from now, week on a week from Saturday. I come back. All right, so the recession is going to start right around then. Yeah, right. <laughs> trouble seems to follow you everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trouble. I'm trouble everywhere I go. Oh, geez. Uh, I, you know, I, I should write a, write that up, shouldn't I? Uh, that would be good. Um, all right. Uh, oh, what's the probability of recession then uh, over the next? 70%. In the next year? Well, you're saying in the next... Six yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'll give me some. I'm giving you some slack. Yeah, seventy percent over yeah. the next twelve to eighteen months. Let's say, yeah. let's say through the end of 2023, just around it. So seventy percent. Uh, okay, I'll keep it there. Yeah, seventy percent. So, so Chris, let me ask you this: You would? Oh, did I did I lose you? No, no we're, I'm so sorry, I hit the wrong button. Um, 
you would change our forecast to a baseline forecast to have a recession in it now. I would. You would. I mean, you're already getting pretty close there. I think we have first quarter going negative. I mean, it's not not a lot. Not on jobs though, do we? No. Job, you have uh, we have unemployment creeping up. Yeah. Right. Oh, I well on year over year basis, GDP goes basically. It might go a little negative actually in Q4, Q1, given the weak GDP in the first half. Of the year. Annualized. Yeah. But uh, at least that's the have, last I saw. I don't, I don't think we have jobs going going negative though in the in the forecast. Well, no, I'm sure we don't. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, I'll go with Dante. Do you have a view on the Fed? Yeah, I think I'm in line with with the market. I think four and a half to four and three quarters. I think that that makes sense to me. And um, that's the terminal rate the highest is going to get. And you think it stays there all next year? Yeah, my recession odds are pretty high, so I'm not sure it stays there all next year. <laughs> oh, okay. What's your recession odds? I'd probably go 65%. I'll, I'll hedge a little lower than Chris, but so you wouldn't it's change the baseline. Uh, you wouldn't change the baseline <laughs> forecast. Not today. I'd probably wait another month or two and see where we are. I think yeah. a little bit more information would be useful here. Okay. All right. I hear you. Uh, okay. And uh, Ryan? There's no collusion, but I'm exactly with Chris. 70% probability recession, four and a quarter to four and a half. They, they can't get any higher. Well, okay. So wait, they're going to raise the funds rate. The, well, you tell me what's, what, what they're going to do with the funds rate here in November. 75. What are they going to do in December? 50. What are they going to do after that? Nothing is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. So that means we're going into recession early next year. Correct. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I think they're going to see the the economy is really slowing down in the second and late this year, early next. Pause at four and a quarter or four and a half. Leave it there for an extended period of time until it's very clear that the economy is in a recession. But, and then but start it sounds of- like they. Only, but you don't. You it, they, their only reason they would stop is if the, it really looks like either two things: a good thing, inflation's coming in, or second, what you're suggesting is the economy's falling apart. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the fall, economy is going to be falling apart early next year is what you're saying. Yeah. That's what so the I, would, I would put a recession. I would put a mild recession in the in the baseline. Okay. Well, beginning in Q1? Wow. Well, I mean, That's what it sounds like you're saying. Time. Yeah. Right? It's like the first half of the year. Yeah. But okay. Well, how's that consistent with them not? So they're, and they're, they're not going to tighten it after December. They're going to, they're going to stop. I don't think so. Okay. All right. But if I'm wrong and they keep tightening, then the odds of a recession go up even higher. So so what's your probability of recession? 70. 70. And you were that you were there last time we chatted about this, weren't you? 70? I think I was 65. I was 65. And Chris, you were 70 or you were 70. You were, you had I think you were at 70. You went back to 65 and yeah, now you're I'm back, back to up 70. to 70. Oh, man. I mean, did you see Chris's chart with the leading indicators? No. But oh, you mean his? Uh, no, no, I'm not sure. The six no. month decline, like Chris can six elaborate. Decline in leading economic indicators. Oh, that one. Yeah, was, yeah. We want to explain that, Chris. It, that's it. Oh, what <laughs> is percentage <laughs> percentage change yeah. in uh, over six months of the leading economic indicators produced by the the conference board? Uh, we've never had a. We've never got. We've never not had a recession when the. Um, when that change is as large as it, as it is now. Right. Right. So that those leading economic indicators are signaling 
high probability of recession going yeah. forward. And that's the, I guess the yield curves in there, the stock market's the in curve. there. Housing right. permits. Housing. Ha- oh yeah. Housing permits. Yeah. In there. It's a, yeah, it's an amalgam of, yeah. Yeah. A number of different. Oh man. And there's oh, weakness the, all around, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. The pre- well, the, well, there's by definition, there's gotta be weakness, right? We, you know, we, you're saying it's well it's by design it's by design right? it has to happen otherwise you can't get inflate wage growth down and inflation back in that's right oh that is so and what we're debating is it does it go too far right yeah yeah but you're arguing it's a controlled weakness we're not in free fall yet right that's your yeah it doesn't feel like free fall to me yeah uh, all right so well, what's okay, yours I'm, mark i i i say four four and a half to four and three quarter terminal rate so three quarter point in November, a half point in December, quarter point in February. Those are the meetings, and then you're four and a half to four and three quarters, and they just hang Isn't out. Isn't there a meeting in January? Yeah, I thought it was. They always meet in January. Oh, it's late January. I think it's late January or something. Late oh, okay. January. Yeah, yeah, late January. I think you're right. Um, and then they hang out there uh, and take a look around, uh, see what what's going on with wages, what's going on with inflation, what's going on with jobs. You know, things that they're focused on. And if everything is coming in, uh, that's the end of the story. And that's the that's what I would consider to be the baseline. No recession. Uh, it comes close. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Unemployment's going to move higher. Uh, but uh, we don't actually go in. With, we don't get the kind of job loss you would need, I think, to uh, characterize the environment as a recessionary environment. You know, I, you might see a month or two or three with job loss, but it's not going to be persistent three, four, five million job loss. I, I just don't think you're going to see that. So do you think we're going to get, get an inverted policy curve? So the 10-year minus the Fed funds? I uh, Well, I, I think there's a reasonable chance we don't. Because if we do, that's just one more indicator. Then every single indicator I know would be signaling, <laughs> you know, recession, except for the, you know, the, the kind of, that's all, all the long leading indicators would suggest yeah. recession. Consumer confidence has doesn't suggest recession within six. That's three six months, and that doesn't suggest recession in three six months. Um, and the, certainly, unemployment rate doesn't suggest recessions. Like, you know that the other. Mm-hmm. Th- of course, you did a great job. Uh, what was it? If the unemployment rate rises by more than a half a point within a three month period, uh, then we're in, right? And it's in over a year, right? Half a point over a year. Oh, is it, is it half a point over a 12-month period? Over 12 months. Over 12 yeah. months, okay. Over a 12 that's, period. But that's really confirmation that we are in, right? That's, yeah. yeah, we're in. That's but, not it, a but it pegs the timing indicator. of recessions, though, right? Very accurately. That's right. Call. The, the start. It, yes. it pegs the start of the recession, the month, very, very accurately. Right. So that's right. not signaling anything. Um, but that's going to be late to the game right but by the oh, time yeah, we yeah, get yeah, that. yeah that's so we're talking about kind of long lead there's intermediate right. lead i say confidence is intermediate lead and i'd say the unemployment rate is no lead it's just coincidence we're in recession yeah yep. but you can see the unemployment rate you can the unemployment has to start rising to get it up a half a point in a year right so right we, we can see it headed in that direction and right now it's not headed in that direction that's right it's, i mean it's going in the opposite direction you know it went down Three and a half percent. Yeah, I'd say uh, I'm, I still say 50 50 over the next 12, you know, I would say through the end of next year, you know, 50 50. So, and then, and then, so the narrative is the Fed 
pauses uh, after the uh, early uh, the hike in early next year. They they hang out, they see what's going on, and they'll they'll get confirmation at that point by summer of next year that that uh, inflate the wage growth is that the job market is is moderating, uh, uh, easing up. Wage growth is rolling over. Inflation is going to is still coming. It's going to keep coming in. So all the things that they inflation expectations are well anchored. Uh, they remain well anchored like they are right now. And uh, we it it's going to be painful. It's going to be close, but we don't get the kind of job again. The job loss that you I think you would need to characterize the environment as a recession. Um, it may it may come down to just a judgment call as to what is a recession. You know this debate we've been having. What is a recession? You know. Because you, you may maybe a recession without job loss that would be that would be unprecedented, but you know perhaps that could happen. You know perhaps the mm-hmm. national the business cycle data committee, the National Bureau of Economic Research, could decide it's a recession even if you don't have a lot of job loss. I'm not sure. So, like a modest so job that, loss. What if right. we, what if we lose two or three hundred thousand jobs? Right? Yeah, would you consider that a recession? I mean, normally, but if everything else is falling apart. Because you have a month down on 300K and it's just a statistical fluke, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, so that's the question. That's, is that a recession? Uh, a recession to me is broad-based, persistent decline. It's got to have job loss, you would think. But I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe there'll be a different perspective on that in this the current environment. So I still owe you that path for the Fed fund rate. You want me to do based on four and a half to four and three quarters being the peak? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll send it to yeah. you over the weekend. That's what markets are expecting right now. Certainly, as of today, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's I, think, line. I think that's most likely baseline. Okay. Oh boy. All right, go for your run. I know. I'm bummed. <laughs> you guys are bumming me out. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. Um, well, can I ask one more, more one more question, and then we'll end. When you look at the uh, all the different projections being done out there. Roughly speaking, the consensus is the now. What's the consensus? Well, do you think it's substantially uh, people think we're going into recession or not? Or is it 50 50? Curious what people are what are people are saying? Well, I don't have a scientific uh, survey here, but certainly if we look at uh, just anecdotally, some of the Wall Street firms, yeah, other firms does look increasingly, if not a recession, certainly a significant slowing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the consensus well, I, but for I, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry, I was gonna, but I, I do think that the uh, majority now is pointing toward a recession. But what do you, what do you see, Ryan? So the consensus for GDP growth. In 2023, is 0.7%. Well, that's our forecast. Mm-hmm. It's exactly our forecast. And there's, I'm eyeballing it, maybe 15 to 20 that have individual forecasters that have a decline in GDP out of 75. Okay. So we're okay. That's okay. Not... All right. So it feels like we're, we're in the middle of the consensus. That's, that's what it feels like. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Meaning me. Yeah. You guys, you matter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels so lonely. Oh, geez, this is killing me. All right. Well, well, I think we're at the moment of truth, though. The next few months, we're going to 
figure out which way this thing goes. Okay. With that, we're going to call it a podcast and um, talk to you next week. Take care now, everyone.